Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Okay, here we go. John chapter 21. After these things, Jesus showed himself again. Notice, he showed himself again. So during this period between the resurrection of Jesus and the ascension of Jesus, which is about a week before the day of Pentecost, Jesus was showing himself, revealing himself time and again to various people, including, in fact, about 500 people, uh, the scriptures tell us, saw him after the resurrection. And here in John 21, he showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. The Sea of Galilee has a number of names, at least a half a dozen names throughout the Bible. But this is the Sea of Galilee, Sea of Tiberias, Tiberias being that primary Roman city right on the shore of the Sea of Galilee on the central west side. And so here it says, he showed himself in this way. He showed himself. Verse two, Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples were together. This is seven disciples. Verse three, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we are going with you also. Now, when Simon said, I'm going fishing, This doesn't seem to be just for the day. I'm going to take uh, some time and just go fishing and relax. This seems to be Simon having denied Jesus, having wept, having been discouraged, even though Jesus has now appeared to them, has been raised from the dead and such. Uh, Simon still is not understanding what a significant calling that is on his life. And so, This seems to be him saying, I'm going back to fishing. I'm going back to the trade that I was in before I began to follow Jesus. So it says here, uh, they said to him, we're going with you. They went out and immediately got into a boat. And listen, and that night they caught nothing. Now that reminds us of Luke chapter 5 when Peter said, Master, we toiled all night and caught nothing. Verse 4, but when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? Here's another way to say that. Did you catch anything? (laughs) Children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Now they've been fishing all night long. And here Jesus says, just throw it over on the other side of the boat and you'll find some. So it says this, so they cast and now. Notice, so they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. They fished all night, throwing those nets in, yanking them back into the boat, throwing them out, yanking them back in. And now when they, at the word of the Lord, cast it over on the right side of the boat. They can't even get the fish in the boat because there were too many of them, couldn't get them up. Verse 7, Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. I just love this again. The disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John talking about himself. We It seems obvious. Uh, but John said, I had to tell Peter. Now, of course, I'm 
uh, embellishing the story a bit here. But he said, that disciple whom Jesus loves said to Peter, it's the Lord. And what I hear with this, you know, these kind of brothers, but they're really friends, is uh, John thrown in there. I had to tell Peter, I, I recognized it was Jesus first, and I had to tell Peter, you know, so I just get a, I enjoy the relationship that we see between these disciples because it reminds me of me. I was raised with two brothers. It just reminds me of how we would have that kind of a friendship, uh, competitive relationship and such. So therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Peter, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat for they were not far from the land, about 200 cubits. So about 200 cubits, a cubit being about about 18 inches. So we're talking about three, uh, right around 300 feet from the land. So it says, dragging the net with fish. What does that mean? Well, they couldn't get all these fish into the boat. It was too heavy. There were too many fish. So instead, they just rowed the boat to land, left the fish in the net. But but because the net's not broken, there's no problem with doing this just to drag all the fish to the land. So notice it says they were about 200 cubits dragging the net with the fish. Then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. So here's Jesus. He was not out there fishing with them. He's on the shore. They look and he's already got a fire. And not only does he have a fire, but he has fish laid on the fire cooking and he has some bread. So let me just tell you something. When you walk with Jesus, you're not going to lack. You remember the psalmist? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And so there's Jesus. He's got some fish on the fire already. And notice this, I like this, verse 10. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you just caught. So he's saying, ah, we'll use some of yours too. Come on, bring some of those fish. And so uh, you wonder, well, how did Jesus catch the fish? I mean, did he go out and do a boat? Did he have a net? Did he have a fishing pole or, or what? Uh, well, it doesn't say. So maybe he just uh, stood on the shore and, you know, called him up, sort of like you call a dog. Come on, fish, you know, and they just flopped up on the shore. We don't really know how it happened. We just know that Jesus had fish already on the fire. So he said, bring some of the fish which you've just caught. Verse 11, Simon Peter went up, watch this, and dragged the net to land full of large fish. Now, if you know anything about fish, you'll know that if you just have small fish, they're not worth as much because they don't have as much meat. But when you have a large fish, those large fish are worth much more than the smaller fish. So this says, full of large fish, 153. There were 153 large fish in this net. And watch this line. I just love it. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Why is that in the Bible? You know, we have to stop when we read and just ask the question, why is that even in the Bible? Why did the Holy Spirit inspire John to throw that phrase in the Bible? And although there were so many, the net was not broken. <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious that it relates back to Luke chapter 5, when uh, at least from the Greek text that some translations are translated from, Jesus said, launch out into the deep, Simon, and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon said, Master, we toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net 
And he uh, evidently partially obeyed Jesus. Well, when the fish came, they came with nets full of fish. But that one net could not accommodate all those fish. So what happened? The net starts breaking. But this says here, you know, Jesus said, cast the net, singular, on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. And they caught this huge amount of large fish. And it says, and although there were so many fish, the net was not broken. It reminds me of uh, the, I believe it's the proverb that says, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. In other words, in Luke chapter 5, if Simon would have thrown out all the nets, they would not have broken because Jesus called in nets full. But because he only threw out one net, well, there's sorrow to it because he did not step out in full obedience. Have you ever partially obeyed God and sort of made it sound like and seem like you fully obeyed? Well, this is what evidently happened. But here he said net, they did net. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. In other words, the power of God not only brought the fish to them, and put them in the net, but the power of God sustained that net so that it wouldn't break even with that enormous amount of fish and the weight of the, all of those fish. So although there were so many, the net was not broken. Verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Come on, sit down, eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, asked him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. Notice Jesus is serving them. He's not saying, come serve me. I'm the resurrected son of God, which he was. But notice, he took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. Verse 14, this is now the third time Jesus showed himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, and you'll notice here, this is a pattern that Jesus interacted with Simon more often than any of the other disciples. It was clear that Simon was the number one disciple. It says, so when they'd eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And, uh, and he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. You know that I love you. Now, uh, when you look into the original language here, the Greek language here, you'll notice that there are different words for love. So Jesus said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Do you agape me more than these? Agape is that unconditional love, like the love of God. When 1 John 4 says, for God is love, that word is agape. And so this word here is, do you agape me? or agapao, the, the Greek or the verb form. Do you love me more than these? Do you agape me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. And phileo is not the same kind of deep, you know, uh, unconditional love. Phileo is I have affection for you. I have these feelings for you. And so he says, uh, yes, Lord, you know that I have affection for you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. The first of these three times, Jesus said, feed my lambs. Now, what are lambs? Well, lambs can be applied to different things. Certainly lambs would be applied here to new believers in the Lord, new believers who need to be nurtured with the shepherd's love and care. So feed my lambs. 
In verse 16, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Or we could say, do you agape me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you, have affection for you. He said to him, tend my sheep. So first he said, feed my lambs. Now he said, tend my sheep. Or we could say, attend to the needs of my sheep. Verse 17, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? This time it wasn't the agape word. This time he said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you phileo me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you phileo me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. So it's kind of like this. Do you love me? Lord, you know I have feelings for you. He said, feed my lambs. Simon, do you love me? Lord, you know that I have affection for you. And he said, well, tend my sheep. And then the third time, it's as if Jesus said, Simon, do you really only have affection for me, but you really don't love me with the agape kind of love that I have for you? And Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I simply have affection for you. Of course, I added the word simply. And Jesus said to him the third time, feed my sheep. So feed my lambs, tend my sheep, and feed my sheep. What is he doing? He's reaffirming his call to Peter for the ministry to minister to the body of Christ, to minister to the the church. Verse 18, Jesus went on to say, Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself or dressed yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you or dress you and carry you where you do not wish. Now watch this. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Isn't that interesting? Two things. John is saying, Jesus said this to Simon, signifying how Simon would die. And then John says, and he, when he had said that, he said to Simon, Jesus did, follow me. He said the same thing that he said to him at the beginning, follow me. In other words, don't stay with these fish. Don't keep going on with your former occupation. I have a calling on your life. Come with me. Follow me. Pursue the calling that I have on your life. Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. Then Peter turning around. Now he had just said, That when you're old, somebody's going to carry you, they're going to dress you, they're going to carry you, you're going to stretch out your hands, and they're going to carry you uh, and to a place you don't want to go to. And it says, this he was signifying by what death he would die. Well, uh, tradition tells us that Peter was executed also by crucifixion like Jesus, but he said he requested to be crucified upside down because he said that he wasn't worthy to be crucified like his Lord. Oh, let me tell you, that sounds like the Peter that we know from the Bible. Just had a heart for Jesus, loved Jesus, uh, believed in Jesus in a big way. And so that's what uh, the tradition tells us is how he died. He was martyred through crucifixion upside down. And Jesus said, you'll stretch out your hands. Well, that's exactly what you do in Roman crucifixion. So it goes on to say, Uh, Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, 
who also had leaned on Jesus' breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? In other words, Jesus just let Peter know how he's going to die. And Peter looked around, well, what about him? In other words, is, is, is he going to die too? How's he going to die? And Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And then John goes on to say here, Then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but, quote, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? End quote. And so Jesus is saying to Simon, don't worry about what's going to happen with everybody else or if things look fair or feel fair. You just do the assignment that I have called you to do. And uh, let me just go back up and look at verse 19 again, because when he said, when you're old, someone's going to dress you and you're going to stretch out your hands. They're going to carry you where you don't want to go. This he spoke signifying by what death, notice, he would glorify God. Did you know when we hold the faith up until even martyrdom, it glorifies God. It lets God know to the whole world watching. I love you. I choose you more than I choose myself, more than I choose pleasing everybody. You are so important to me. And so it says that Peter glorified God in holding the faith and holding his allegiance to his God and his Lord Jesus. So let's pick it up again now down in verse 24. This is the disciple who testifies of these things. Talking about the one that Jesus said, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? And of course, Jesus did not say that John was never going to die and he was still going to be around at the second coming, but uh, that you shouldn't worry about what happens to him. Verse 24, this is the disciple, John, who testifies of these things and wrote these things. And we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. So John is saying here at the end, he's saying so many things happened in the ministry of Jesus that if we just name them one by one, he said, I suppose there couldn't even, the world wouldn't even be big enough to handle all the books of all the little things that happened. He said, we're just barely scratching the surface with, and highlighting some of the things that happened in the ministry of the Lord Jesus. I love the word, I suppose, I suppose. In other words, John is being honest that he supposes that. The Holy Spirit allows that to stay in there, that it is true that John supposes this. But that doesn't mean it's necessarily true that the world could not handle the books <laughs> and you couldn't pile them up all around the world. But John's just saying, look, and especially the way that they would write books back in that day, John's saying, I, I don't see how we'd be able to capture it all in books and that the world could even accommodate all of those books. There were so many things. And I think we get the point that John's emphasizing, we're barely giving you a small percentage of the supernatural, miraculous, amazing, uh, noteworthy things that Jesus did, that Jesus said, and that happened through and in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, there we have it, chapter 21, and really the whole book of John. What a beautiful book. If you missed some of the chapters, I hope you'll go back and 
catch them because this really is a gospel like none other. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.